Greetings. This is Mike Schiff here, president of Taneo Hospitality Group. And this is our podcast, Taneo Talks Hospitality. And the topic is, where are we now? Taneo Talks is thrilled to be welcoming three highly established industry professionals with varying backgrounds and points of view this week. Here to give us perspective from a meeting planner's point of view, we have Joanne Tai. Joanne, can you share a little bit about your background, please? Hi, Mike, and greetings, listeners of Taneo Talks. I am a partner and owner of Global Management Partners, which is an association management company located here in Minnesota. In my 30 years of industry experience, I have never seen this kind of scope of global challenge presented to our industry. And as GMP represents several national and international organizations, we've had the front row seat to a variety of situations that have really forced us to kind of rethink what we do and how we do it. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joanne. I can say that behalf of our team at Taneo, we're so happy to have you as part of this panel and to share some of your expertise with our listeners. Next up, to share some perspective on what's happening from a hospitality sales point of view in the DC market is our very own Kyla Knudsen. Well, thank you, Mike. I am so delighted to be here today as the Director of Sales for Taneo's DC Association Market. I, too, am excited to exchange um, information and learn from Joanne and Tyree and yourself and share some insights that I've gathered through my 20-plus years within the DC Association Market, both on the hotel side of things and DMO or CBB side of things. Excellent. Thank you very much. And now, uh, last but certainly not least, we have the living legend himself, Mr. Tyree James. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here on Taneo Talks today. I've been in the industry for 40 years in hospitality sales and leadership experience. I have undergone many major crises throughout our industry. We have gotten through them and we will get through these and be better in the long run. Happy to be here today. Well, Tyree, thank you so much. What's interesting about Tyree is he's been uh, one of the first leaders in our company, and uh, he's a go-to person within Taneo. And so getting that years of experience uh, from from Tyree and the the rest of our panel is really going to be an interesting opportunity today. I think the first thing I wanted to do is talk a little bit about association meetings. Today, Global Management Partners manages many different types of associations from all over the world. Joanne, can you tell us what your clients are doing and thinking today for their future meetings in 2020 and beyond? Has their viewpoint changed as things are starting to open and perhaps even within the last three or four weeks? Well, as of today, we've only had one client who is still moving forward with their 2020 meeting. And their board is meeting in a couple of weeks, and we're predicting that that will result in a cancellation, unfortunately. What our larger clients have done now is move to virtual platforms for this year because they just felt it really important to still present their program content, you know, share their research, and bring value to the members. Because remember, they are all dues-paying uh, membership organization. Right now, we don't have any clients that have altered their meeting plans for beyond 2020, but I anticipate boards are going to begin some discussions about that in the coming months. Uh, at GMP, we have really encouraged our teams to reach out to all the hotel properties where their meetings are scheduled for 2021 and really start a dialogue about what is taking place at their hotel that might impact our member meetings. And also for the 
association to kind of share with the hotel what the clients are talking about and raising as far as concerns. So some of those could be dealt with on the front end. Um, we found these discussions to really be helpful in educating one another. It's really the true partnership and we want to make sure that these meetings do take place in 2021. Regarding as things are opening, there's so many unknowns still, and the most concerning to our members, particularly in the medical arena, are that travel bans are still in existence for several institutions, which limits availability of speakers and attendees. And also at play are requirements in various states. We're at different stages of opening. I mean, some are still requiring some quarantines if you're traveling from certain areas. And there's also some significant limitations to group gatherings. And since networking is such an essential part of our in-person meetings, the social distancing requirements may impact what it is they're able to do. In fact, I spoke with one of my board presidents today that said even trying to coordinate a dinner meeting for six colleagues wasn't really possible. And so much learning and relationship building happens in hallways and over meals. So not being able to do this is something that our members are keeping in mind. And um, we want them to have a great experience when they come to the meeting. So anything we can do to work with our partner hotels to make sure that that experience is still really robust, we'll do it. So really, whether their viewpoint has changed, I don't know. But I think that as things open, it allows opportunity for open discussions and to address questions that come up as they come up. Great. Thank you, Joanne. I'm curious if you talk to your clients, what do you actually think that they need to see out there to start putting meetings back on their schedules? What might be some of the things that they see that could do that? You know, so many of our clients already have signed meeting contracts for three to four years out in advance. So it really isn't a matter of us putting meetings back on our schedule, they're already there. But what is of concern is making sure that we can execute them successfully given whatever the environment brings our way. As I mentioned, travel bans are going to impact attendance, but I think something even more important than that is how the decision to start traveling again is such a personal decision for everyone. Some people are just craving to get back on the plane and you know, join in on in-person interactions and learning experience, but others aren't that comfortable. They're not yet feeling safe enough to leave their homes and get on the plane and traveling. And it really doesn't matter where the meeting is or what the meeting is. So I think where our clients already have the meetings on their schedule, there's somehow we need to provide information and some insurances that help our attendees feel safe and secure to attend. And unfortunately, a lot of this is beyond any of our control, really, because the safety and security goes beyond what physical kinds of things people are putting in place. But we're hoping that with continued good news and continued real progression of areas opening, that will just help people feel ready to get back in it. And those that are already ready, they're going to show up. 
you know, but it's those that are, are not quite there, the ones that can impact our meetings. Excellent. Thank you. So, Kyla, I know you've been working in a myriad of different capacities in our hospitality industry for many years. So, today, you're heavily focused on the association market that's in the mid-Atlantic D.C. area. Based on kind of what Joanne said, what are your clients telling you? And are you hearing anything different from yours? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of similarities from what I'm seeing in the D.C. association market and with what Joanne has mentioned from her market and her clients. You know, we are seeing a big shift in 2020 from in-person meetings to virtual meetings. I know that in speaking with a number of associations, they're very reticent and they don't want to have all of their meeting go entirely virtual for the rest of 2020. But a lot of the times it's coming down to manpower in that they realize they have so much staff that they need to deploy against shifting to virtual. And even though they may, some of the larger associations might have the manpower to do a hybrid format where they'll have a pared down in-person meeting and a virtual component, there's a lot that don't have that bandwidth. So they're having to go completely virtual, even though it may actually be okay in the state that they're booked to have that meeting in September, October, or November. So we are seeing a lot of the same thing here in the DC marketplace. And I agree with Joanne that I think one of the big challenges is the patchwork of different regulations and who can do what, because each state has different requirements, you know, as far as how many people can gather at one time. And then we're also seeing as well that a lot of the associations are surveying their members. And a lot of the times it's the members' travel budgets have been cut or their education budgets have been cut. So even though the association wants to continue with that meeting, once they survey their attendees, they realize they just don't have the critical mass for the meeting to take place. So I think that everybody is kind of just trying to navigate the different restrictions that we're seeing right now. And it's a real balancing act that, you know, they want to have that meeting and they know that it's a huge value to their members, but they also need to make sure that they have the staffing and are prepared accordingly to deal with the changing landscape. Excellent. So the association market and the mid-Atlantic market really encompasses many different types of associations. And I'm just curious, are you seeing any that are either A, still planning their events for 2020 or have a pretty good schedule of events that they're starting to look for actually in the future? That maybe yeah, we are yet. seeing certain trade associations and scientific associations are still planning on having their meeting in the fall of 2020. They are tweaking their room setups to maybe do a classroom of one per six foot instead of theater or such to allow for that social distancing. And we're also seeing that the smaller meetings, like Joanne had mentioned, we are still seeing the smaller meetings like the board meetings, the regional meetings, the topical programs still taking place because they can fall within that or under that threshold of gathering uh, restrictions that some states have. And I know that there's a lot of associations that do want to incorporate a virtual component, but they do recognize that there's a lot of information that can only be shared in person, whether or not it because of demonstrations that take place at the convention, hands-on learning, and then, of course, those hallway conversations that are so important for the exchange of information. And I also think that there is definitely a scale of attendees and who feels comfortable. There's certain member organizations that may have a higher threshold for risk and feel more comfortable traveling. And then 
then there's other associations, just given the nature of the association and the work they do and the profile of their members, their members may not yet be comfortable traveling. But we are seeing a lot of trade associations, I think, have a higher propensity and comfort with moving forward with their 2020 meetings. Excellent. Thank you. That was very informative, Kyla. This is such a dramatic change in our world today. And Joanne, I'm curious if you see with all the changes that are taking place that in the association business, knowing that some associations are going to be challenged to maintain financial performance, do you think there could be a change in the overall market of associations and association meetings as a result of this COVID-19? No, I do. As Kyla mentioned, virtual meetings have kind of out of necessity encouraged associations to implement them um, where maybe they wouldn't have before. And what I think associations are finding and our clients are finding is that it is much less expensive to hold a virtual meeting than it is an in-person meeting, yet they can still charge registration fees so that they do meet their profit margins that they need out of their meetings. So we are seeing members participate also in our virtual meetings that maybe wouldn't have been able to normally come to our in-person meetings, either because they couldn't take the time out of the office or because of the additional expense that comes with traveling. So kind of with this new awareness, I think that there will be a virtual component somehow integrated as a part of the in-person meeting experience in the future. How that impact the business might mean possibly a reduction in sleeping rooms that we're going to need to book if we think more people are going to go the virtual option or meeting space needs where maybe we had a convention of 2300, maybe we're going to have a convention of 1500, which might even open up more options for smaller instead of using a convention center, maybe now you can fit into a hotel. And of course, if a meeting reduces their numbers for in-person, of course, the ripple effect into areas such as food and beverage and all of the other kind of ancillary services that come with bringing a meeting to a city could also be impacted. So that's just to be seen yet, you know, how that's going to go. But I do really feel that virtual meetings will be a part of our discussions moving forward. Excellent. Thank you. So Tyree, you provide a unique perspective as you have clients within the association business, corporate meetings, and incentive events. So first, I'm curious if what you're hearing from Kyla and Joanne rings true for your association clients as well. And then, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's also taking place in the corporate market? Well, Mike, I definitely agree with Joanne and Kyla, what they were saying. I mean, I'm hearing that every day. Virtual meetings are definitely going to be here for quite some time. They're going to be integrated into the face-to-face meetings. But what I'm finding right now and the association market, the medical associations are really trying to go forward with face-to-face meetings with a component of virtual in 21. Again, they're looking at attendee confidence. That seems to be the driving force. Also, too, associations that have hotels already booked, space already confirmed, how do I put in the new normal into the space I have with the number of attendees that I want to come? So there's going to be a lot of juggling going forward. They may have to reduce the amount of attendees, which would make you know attrition be a component that the hotels would have to be flexible on. But there's a lot of things just coming up that really when you look at the nitty gritty, it's going to be all worked out. But I see that the desire to do face-to-face is really where they want to go. Also, when it comes to corporate, they're all on hold. 
basically because of travel restrictions. There are smaller meetings that I'm working with that haven't canceled for the fall. They're 15 to 20, and people seem comfortable with that. But um, I think as a whole, they're going to wait and see um, how things kind of play out before they start doing 150, 250 programs. But that will come back as well. Okay, that's very interesting. It sounds like the three of you are saying similar things about the association market and other markets that you're handling that intersect the association market. So, Mike, what is your take on the incentive market? You know, the incentive market looks like it's continuing to move forward a little bit better than maybe some of the other markets. And that really has to do with the agendas of the program. I mean, we recently learned of a large incentive that was actually scheduled for December of 2020, and an overwhelming majority of the attendees still wanted to maintain the trip, which is great news for the industry. It means that people are still wanting to travel from an incentive perspective. Also, guys, when you think about it, who really wouldn't want to go to Thailand? So, you know, the Thailand event is purely incentive, but there are other events scheduled that have businesses that are primary focus with an incentive or leisure component to it. There's a, a full service incentive house that works with a multinational oil and gas firm who wanted to go to Atlanta for their event in August. Everyone really wanted to go and they wanted to try to figure out how to make it work. So what was really interesting is the first thing they did is they contacted the state of Florida to make sure all the right safety measures were in place and that the meeting could happen. Then they went to the hotel to make sure that the hotel was maintaining all of the safety precautions that would be needed for an event. So then when they felt comfortable with that, they were able to go back to the oil and gas firm and say, look, we have a green light here. Everyone's doing their part. And we're really confident that we can pull off a safe meeting. So at the end, they gave their attendees a choice to attend virtually or to go in person and to know that everything from the property side from A to Z was going to be handled with their wellness and safety in mind. So it was a very unique experience. The client is moving forward and the association is really excited. The last part of that equation is that they're having the attendees actually sign a waiver for the ones that are going. So there's no opportunity for reciprocity or litigation. And so everybody is kind of going at their own risk and all things are above board. So a really interesting case study for something that's coming so close this year and how groups that really want to meet are moving forward and meeting. So having said that, Tyree has worked for many years on the incentive side and curious as to, Tyree, what are you seeing in this specific market? Well, Mike, you know, the Midwest is more of a conservative market and it may kind of follow the trend. So what I'm seeing with the, the clients I have that do incentives, they have been canceled, unfortunately, for the rest of the year. And I'm seeing many more for the first quarter. And I think what they need is attendee confidence. And the attendee needs to feel more comfortable. So um, I think once that starts to, to come around in the next few months, we'll see those incentives coming back on board. But right now, it's, it's pretty slow. And uh, we hope to see it happen again soon. Excellent. Back to you, Joanne. So let's take a look, for example, at your association planners and you as an example and say to yourself, okay, there are meetings that your associations have. So they're trying to figure out if they're going to have a live meeting. What do you think is going to be the key thing for them to move ahead? What is it going to take from science from hotels, from transportation, from whatever, to make them or to make them feel comfortable with going back into this uh, into meetings. 
Well, I think one thing that associations have that really helps move them forward to their in-person meetings is that they're nonprofit and their bylaws require them to hold an annual meeting every year. And I also think that with medical associations and societies, they have such a strong mission to get together, to exchange ideas, to bring their values together. So I think that there are some inherent things that motivate associations to return back to in-person meetings. I don't really think it's a matter for them of whether they'll return. I think it's what will it look like um, when they do return. And I think what it looks like has both to do with the hotel side for what they're required to do from a state-by-state or even country-by-country perspective. And from the association side, or maybe we need to reconfigure some of our programming and education in ways that we haven't before because of requirements. So I think the coming months, to be honest, I don't think we can really answer that question today. I think the coming months will provide some more answers as things begin to open up more and the truth is known as to whether there's a second round of pandemic um, on the horizon or not, as it's been predicted and unpredicted. So I think we're going to have to wait and see, at least for the next few months, because we've just started this opening process. More will be known, and I think the comfort level will grow as more of that continues. Really interesting, Joanne. Thank you. What I'm seeing is in the Midwest, planners need to have some more attendee confidence in traveling. A lot of standardization of safety standards are starting to be required, and they want to make sure that they're implemented. Corporations with hotel with flexibility in response to changing configurations in meetings along with attrition is something that's going to be a major issue going forward with planning a face-to-face meeting. For sure, Tyree. And you know what? We're really learning from each other in this time. And there's, you know, this opportunity to continue to slowly but surely advance meetings in our industry so the goals of organizations can be accomplished while at the same time, attendees and employees are safe. I mean, that's really the key. So, Kyla, what do you think about that? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Joanne, you raised some great points about um, association meetings. They will be continuing because, as you mentioned, they have bylaws. So, in their bylaws, they do have the, the meetings laid out there. So, I think that it's not a matter of if the meetings are going to continue, it's how they're going to continue. Um, you know, again, Joanne, you mentioned earlier the association booking window. The average booking window is three to five years out. So, you know, a lot of the associations maybe haven't booked their smaller meetings for 21, such as their board meetings, their committee meetings, their legislative meetings. So they're going to be putting those on the books. But I think they also are always looking for the future. They know they need to still book a large annual meeting for 22, 23, 24, 25, and whatnot. So we're seeing that how can they partner with the hotel? How can they incorporate tweaks like we saw after 9-11 in force majeure and, and whatnot to include terrorism? And now we're, we're having a pandemic included in those clauses. And then also included, including clauses like review clauses because both parties realize, okay, we need to um, secure space. The meeting's going to happen, but we know that we also might have to change it based on what's going to happen down the road. So, I think that, you know, everybody's in this together and we're seeing a lot of camaraderie between the hotels and the association clients because everybody's in it together and they're just trying to figure out how do we move forward and navigate um, going forward to protect both parties. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, one great thing about this is it's brought our industry together like never before. So we're seeing amazing work done by so many different people and individually as well. And it's really encouraging. Tyree, knowing that you cover a big territory and you've been doing it for a very long time from Kansas City to Chicago, this uh, diverse geography that you handle also includes various market segments. Can you share with the audience today, what are some of the bright spots that you're seeing? What is giving you optimism right now? Well, there is a lot of optimism, Mike, and a lot of it is that the planners want to get back to meetings as soon as possible, and even with the new normal. Again, like Joanne said, no one really knows what it's going to be like until we get there in the next few months. There's just so many details that need to be, need to be ironed out. So it's kind of a learning process right now, but people are so anxious. They want to get back to seeing people in a very safe environment. Also, too, yeah, one thing I found is that you talk to my clients so often. We do a lot of polling of their attendees, especially the association market. Some corporate does as well. And what they're finding, and I'll generalize it, but back in May, it was probably a 98% of the attendees did not feel comfortable traveling. Now it's better, but still we have a long way to go. It's around 68%. And that's a great improvement from what we saw a few months ago. And um, it will continue, hopefully, if we continue on a really straight and narrow path to um, this virus being eliminated. Yeah, I think with just people seeing other people travel, seeing what the airlines are doing, seeing what the hotels are doing, We'll be back in business, but there are a lot of great signs out there and people want to get back to it. That's great, Tyree, and I totally agree. And what we really look at within Teneo are points of inflection, things that are changing out there and things are changing rapidly. Just in the last couple of weeks since we had our last Teneo talk, things have changed. First of all, if you look at the airlines, the airlines have reported massive capacity gains for July and June. Their stock prices have been soaring this week and last because of more seat getting filled. In the state of Florida, for example, it started to open up in May 1st. And by the, the 7th of May, hotels were opening up at 30% occupancy and filling the rooms. The next week, they filled had 50% occupancy of their hotel rooms available, and they sold out every one of them up and down the beaches of Florida. And Memorial Day weekend was very interesting, where most hotels were had most of their inventory available that were on the beaches and so forth, and they sold out. And um, the same thing all throughout Arizona, the Carolinas, the Beach Coast, a lot of these leisure destinations saw tremendous demand over this time period. And what I find most interesting is people are bringing their children and they're bringing their parents you know, to these locations. And these folks that are traveling, they are meeting attendees. So it's just an interesting phenomenon, and I think it's an important point of inflection. As are, you know, in Orlando, for example, where I live, there's plenty of meetings happening in the month of June at a number of hotels. And what's going to be also interesting is the Connect meeting that's going to take place in August in New Orleans under, you know, a really clean and safe environment. So there's some really interesting points of inflection and things that are changing. And you really have to have your ear to the ground because they seem to be changing on a daily basis. So having said that, Joanne, we know there's no such thing as a crystal ball, but if you could share some of your wisdom with us, what what is the outlook you think in the next 12 months, as best as you can peg it, that our audience would find as sage guidance? (laughs) 
Well, to me, there is no doubt that members miss that in-person interaction with each other and the overall memories that are only created by gathering together in a city and sharing a common experience. You just simply can't get that in any other environment, even a virtual environment. Therefore, I really do predict, for our associations anyway, that in the next 12 months, we're going to see them moving forward with their contracted meeting. I think they're going to be excited about it. I think they're going to do everything they can to move in that direction because the confidence that the industry is going to show with being ready to receive them will be out there. So I, I think the next 12 months look good. Thank you very much. And with your 30 plus years of experience, that, that really means quite a bit. You know, Kyla, the last, you know, we're kind of narrowing down this episode here and curious, are you seeing some bright spots out of the DC market that you can share with our audience today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with Joanne more. I think that the bright spot of this pandemic is that it has unequivocally demonstrated that there is no replacement for in-person meetings. You know, there was a lot of chatter a few years ago about digital events and how digital events would replace in-person meetings. And while virtual meetings have been a perfect stopgap for the last few months, I think this pandemic has demonstrated our inherent need to gather and network. So just like Joanne, I'm very optimistic that we'll see strong attendance at meetings going forward as some of the most important information exchange within the adult learning uh, community is between association members, whether or not it's during a coffee break or a glass of wine at a reception, and that just cannot be taking place at a virtual setting. So I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand for, for people to get together as we go down Excellent. the line. Well, here. this has been a great session. It's been very interesting to see the different markets, the different geographies the different viewpoints. And the optimism, in my mind, is palpable. There's change that's taking place every day. And right now, we are all on this bridge over the COVID gap and trying to figure out how to maneuver and to be in 2020. And that will continue to evolve. I'd like to thank our panelists. It's been eye-opening for me personally, and I'm sure many in the audience. We're going to leave you now with our Chineo Talks hospitality for the day, and we'll welcome you back in a couple of weeks for our next episode. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you all for listening. For more episodes, please visit podcast.chineohg.com. Cheers, everybody.